Here, this is. I'd like to call him something. I think I'll just call it a day. Pour me something tall and strong. Make it a hurricane before I go insane. It's only half past twelve, but I don't care. It's five o'clock somewhere. I, I bring this up, young Benjamin, because. Uh, even though we don't hear him right now, Jimmy Buffett will be in the song at some point. And uh, it's 5 o'clock, so there that was the, the synergy there. They've canceled the Jimmy Buffett, not postponed, canceled. And I was only going because my wife wanted to go. And now I have to go through the hell. That's right, Alex Getting Jackson. your money back. The hell of getting my money back. Yikes. Uh, Duke is done. ECU's got to play tonight. HV3's caddy wins some money. Do you know that, Ben? I did not know that. They have that little closest to the pin. I think it's got a little more formal for the caddies over the year. Over the years at uh, 17 at TPC Sawgrass. It used to be you just went and threw a little cash in a jar. And uh, whoever hit it closest to the pin on the final day of the practice round, that caddy won. But it was HV3's caddy. I think Chip won this year. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, so we've got, uh, guess what? This is the 90 minute edition of the Patrick Johnson show today. We used to, we would do these during basketball season from time to time. And we just didn't get a chance to do it because they'd play the games at like two in the afternoon. So well, this is a sign of things are getting a little bit back to normal. There you go. Pirates on the hardwood tonight is seven o'clock uh, tip against UCF. We're leading you into network coverage. Uh, later in the show, Senator Jim Perry and Senator Todd Johnson are both going to join us. They are spearheading this look from the uh, legislature into the dealings and doings of the North Carolina High School Athletic Association, so much so that the uh, Athletic Association ran the uh, Commissioner Q. Tucker out there today for a uh, a little uh, Zoom press conference. They also, uh, I guess the president of the board is the principal at New Bern. Uh, so he was out there, and the vice president of that board was out there, uh, vice president of that uh, board were, were there as well and they were defending themselves against uh, this news that has come out in the last couple of days anyway we're going to talk with them Cy Seymour later on and in a few minutes we're going to check in in uh, Durham at the ACC tournament a couple of games already in the books and uh, the UNC game against Notre Dame has been moved up tonight to 8 30 so I don't know if that changes the airtime for radio on uh, 94.1 and 97.9 I would presume it does I would presume they'd uh, be on at 7 30 uh, as opposed to eight o'clock the original airtime uh, but uh, your uh, your your team you were bagging on yesterday, the Tar Heels, beat Notre Dame, big spanked whoop, spanked Notre Dame last night, spanked them, hammered them last night. Okay, uh, it's great to have you uh, with us here. Uh, the major news out of today uh, is there was a positive test apparently in the Duke program, and it was decided that Duke is done for the year. They've won their last game of the season the last two years and then didn't didn't play in the NCAA tournament or, or that last win didn't result in a title of any kind. That's very rare. Very rare that that happens. They were starting to play better as they got towards the end of the season too, so that's kind of a little bit of a... They were a little streaky. You know, yeah. they had that and they had the, you know, the deal where they uh, didn't... They lost a couple of overtime games and then the Tar Heels hammered them at the Dean Dome, but then... Uh, but they were busting back and forth. <coughs> Pardon me. They were busting back and forth to uh, where they were staying. 
I guess, on the Washington Duke Inn. But, you know, the football program shut down because of COVID, and uh, perhaps that's what happened there because I think they were all staying in the same hotel with one another on campus. So no Duke, and uh, Florida State gets the double bye all the way to the semifinal. Are you surprised by the move? What, that they decided to go ahead and shut it down? Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not either. Because one thing that Duke was the first to shut, Duke was the one last year that kind of forced the hand of the ACC to shut down the tournament. Um, Still not allowing any kind of fans or well, family? Well, that's the other thing, too. They don't, I mean, they've, no fans this year at Cameron and were none in the football stadium. And then just the other night, there were no fans inside of the, the Durham Bulls Athletic Park, which Duke uses for its home games now. AC uh, just told me that the women's team had stopped playing in December. Yeah, they, yeah so. that's a good point. That's a good point. Casey, big women's basketball fan, would probably know that. But <laughs> uh, no, you're right. The women totally shut it down uh, this year. So uh, Duke has walked the walk. And so from that standpoint, with one COVID positive on the team, for them to decide to go ahead and do this, it doesn't surprise me. And maybe I'm looking too far into it, but it just seemed – by, based on Coach K's previous comments, that he kind of just wanted to put this season behind him and get through it. And uh, I think he had an opportunity to kind of yeah, end the season. You know, so. I've heard people say that. Um, but they were he seemed more engaged yeah. the last two games in, in Greensboro. And I thought they were playing a lot better. Now, look, oh, no, I, I agree. They were playing a whole lot better towards the end. I don't think they were going to necessarily beat Florida State tonight. Florida State's that good. But I think they were going to give Florida State a game tonight. Yeah. I think because, I mean, they had nothing to lose. I think Duke had a real shot to make that. It was going to be an entertaining game. And I honestly felt like if they uh, if, if they did really well in this tournament, I don't say they – I don't. I'm not saying they had to win it, but if they got pretty far in this tournament, they might have would have gotten the benefit of the doubt I and think, would have gotten the tourney. I, I think had they beaten Florida State, they'd have been right there. Yeah. I think they would have uh, had a chance because they'd have been in the semifinals, and I think then they would have done enough, win or lose, had they beaten Florida State tonight. Uh, instead, we get UNC and Virginia Tech, who has practiced but not played in several weeks. And uh, I, I think it's a Tar Heel uh, move to the semifinal to take on who would they play? The the Knolls? Is that who they there? They played the Knolls. So I think it's Florida State and UNC in the uh, semifinal. I think I, your your Tar Heels roll tonight, Benjamin. <laughs> Your Tar Heels roll tonight. No, we'll see if the anonymous text line blows up today like it did yesterday. Uh, but look, I talked to Mull again today when I was riding around, and uh, I mean, Mull said I hated to say it, but the Heels are playing great right now. I mean, they really, by and large, they're playing really well right now. We'll see if they hey, let's we'll see if they can shoot the lights out. Well, here's what they're doing. That they, here's what they're doing that they were not doing earlier in the year. They're not taking these wild ass shots like they were yeah. earlier in the year. They're, and they're taking, feeding their big men. Well, they're taking their shots within the offense. And when you have a good rebounding team, that's what you do. You don't take crazy shots. Run it through your elite big guys down in the paint. Yeah. Well, that, but you also... Those are your best players. You you take shots that these guys know where it's coming from. It's not some crazy, yeah. you know, 35-footer. They know where the shot's going to come from in the offense, so they, they, they can rebound. That's one thing Roy Williams' teams that are good can do is they can rebound in this group because they're so big can rebound the basketball. I'll tell you this as well. Uh, I think Virginia Tech is going to be sluggish. We've seen teams struggle that uh, have had the lengthy layoffs, and uh, so that's that's the, one other reason I'm I'm going with the heels uh, tonight. 
uh, inside of Greensboro Coliseum, and we'll see what happens uh, there. As they continue to win, they will continue to see their seed uh, increase. So we'll check in with Sean Crest in a few minutes. Did I did I get you? Did you get Crest's number? I sent it to you. Uh, yeah, okay. we're, we're set. All right, we're good with Sean Crest coming up uh, live from the Greensboro Coliseum. It was Crest who I talked to Thursday a year ago when uh, everything just blew up in the ACC tournament. It's an anniversary. It is kind of an anniversary. We got Crest to do some reportage for us during the uh, statewide show that I was doing at that uh, time. As, the, as I said last night on the podcast, the transitional champion that I was uh, going from uh, DG to AG. You had to have somebody that uh, carried the title in between. Well, you're better than the Iron Sheik. Yeah, well, there you go. I was the Iron Sheik of, uh, of Sports Talk Radio in North Carolina. You could say that. All right, uh, minus all the drugs. Okay, so uh, big day today in, um, in uh, Charlotte, right, Ben? Oh, yeah. Today was the Greg Olson uh, Davis retirement deal. Their, their big ceremony. Uh, we have some sound from it. What, what do you want to go with first here, Ben? You tell me. You tell me. We can start off with TD here, Thomas Davis. All right, Thomas Davis uh, on his career as a Panther. In case you guys haven't noticed yet, I wear my heart on my sleeve, obviously. I feel like I've dedicated so much to this organization, to this city. And to be able to have a moment like this, man, it, it, it's truly special to me. It's something that I'll never forget. It's something that I'll always remember. Um, Greg Olson talked about his career and coming to Carolina. Is this the one where he says he didn't know where Charlotte was? Oh, this is a great cut. Play this. Yeah, and you never know in life how change is going to impact you going forward. And it was the single greatest thing that ever happened to, to Kara and I single greatest thing that ever happened to my family was coming from Chicago, relocating to Carolina and being a part of building what we were able to build here. He said, uh, there, he didn't know if Charlotte was in, uh, <laughs> North Jeez. Carolina or South Carolina. Is that what he said? Yeah, it was something like that. I, I did. I did hear about that. Look, I'd gladly give Charlotte to South Carolina. If we could get something cool in return, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> up for that trade. Are you guys? Yeah, I, I'm all for it. Charleston's probably too far. You guys probably don't want Myrtle. But I, I'd take Myrtle. Char- Charlotte's too out, too far the, out of the way. I, w- I would gladly trade sh- the city of Charlotte to South Carolina if North Carolina gets Myrtle and Conway so we can claim Coastal Carolina. There we go, yeah. I like that trade. I think that's a fabulous trade. Have you heard about the uh, the Twitter controversy with this event, though? People were, people were mad on Twitter about this event. Well, wait a minute. First of all, let me stop you. People were on... on oh, people on Twitter people were mad. People were mad on Twitter? <laughs> That's a shocker. Surely huh? you jest. <laughs> God. All right. What were they mad at? Like, I, I don't... Twitter's a cesspool, but yep, yep. go ahead. What were, you, what were they mad people about? People were hounding Greg Olson and Thomas Davis and the owner, David Tepper, because well, Cam Newton was not mentioned once in well, this two-hour ceremony. Wait a minute. What is this Olson mentions him here? Well, on my cut sheet? Well, in the... Post-event press conference, he was asked about it. Why was he never mentioned in your speech? Well, Why maybe those guys up? don't like Cam. I, that was not, I, that was never the case. I didn't think so. I don't but know. Maybe that, those but. guys don't like. Well, why wouldn't they mention him? But doesn't Tepper say something today, or didn't he say something today to the effect of he could? Uh, there's a uh, there's another guy. There's he another never guy. said his name, but that could be Luke Keekley. I mean, we don't know if that's Cam. He could be talking about Luke Keekley. Well, I do know that your boy Olson mentioned uh, Keekley today. Because they're boys. Yeah. 
He mentioned Khalil. He mentioned everybody he but mentioned Cam. everybody but Cam Newton. <laughs> All right. All right, well, this was Greg also, I guess, uh, when he was asked about Cam Newton. This is what he had to say. Yeah, I think those guys you brought up, um, you know, a lot of those guys we touched on, and I have to address this now, and I'm glad you gave me this opportunity. I had an entire section hold, in my... Hold, hold the, hold the, wait a minute. I'm glad you addressed this now and given me the opportunity. He had a whole speech to address this. He, he talks about it. He talks Pick about it. Pick it up. And I have to address this now, and I'm glad you gave me this opportunity. I had an entire section in my speech that I prepared that was about my relationship and how much I feel about Cam. And I know you guys, you guys who covered knew how much he, you know, he meant to me. And I had a whole thing written there. And in the midst of my emotions and, and getting going, I sat down next to my wife and I said, oh, my God, I forgot Cam. And as I was going through guys that have impacted my career here, you know, Ryan Khalil is a lifelong best friend and Luke Keekley is a lifelong best friend and Thomas and JJ and, you know, Cam is, is at the top of that list. And I just, it kind of haunted me since the second I sat down, I said, how did I miss the guy that I probably talked more about for 10 years? I probably talked more about that guy than anyone in my life. And um, I had a whole, and I, it just, in the midst of the emotions and coming down, I was, I was kicking myself. I call bull. I don't think he had. I don't think he had a section. Do you? What do you call? I call bull. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so either. What do you call? Kay? He calls bull too. I, Cam just doesn't strike me as this great leader. I don't think he made much of an impact on but these see, guys. See, the thing we always heard was, well, wise. he may not have. Been. I'm not saying he was a jerk. Yeah, but I mean, no, he, I'm not saying that either. But he just might not have been their friend. But I do know this: Olson belled Cam Newton's uh, uh, <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, bail out a lot of times. I can agree with you on that one. Is this the GM talking about their approach to free agency and all that? Is this, yes, is yeah. this worth a minute of valuable broadcast time? I, I like the one where he talks about free agency. In all the right. draft. I'm going with you on this. This is the GM, Fitterer, Fitterer talking about uh, free agency and the draft approach. Sure. Uh, well, what we do is the first thing we did when I got here, we built the free agency board You know, with uh, Matt Allen, Pat Stewart, Rob, uh, stop the you don't like yeah, a free agency and... board now. Fan- play some fantasy football. Hey, but he says he wants to look at some offensive linemen. Didn't talk about a quarterback. Wants some offensive linemen. I like that. We, we built a free agency board. <laughs> God. <sighs> you do, oftentimes, you don't lead me astray. You led me astray on that one. Hey, well, it's better than David Gettleman talking about hog mollies and how we're going to get <laughs> some fat 300-pound guy in the first round every year, second round. Yeah, or just uh, Marty Herney in general. It's better than Marty, Marty Herney. Marty Herney. What if Marty's going to do radio out in Charlotte? You know, I guess he's, he owned the station out there. I think he did. You better be, you better not say anything because if he did, that might be, you know, when you start applying for. Uh, Casey Blue, he said, he said he got hired by the Redskins, so he ain't doing no radio. Did he really? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's not even the GM. Where though. did he's we like miss a, this? No, I, this was not this was an update long ago. This was, was months it? ago. Yeah, you're joking with me. Now. I'm not joking. Is he, he still on the station in Charlotte? Uh, I don't think so. My point is, you better not talk badly about him if he does. Hey, no. Nah, hey. Inevitably, everyone here wants to go to Charlotte. Not me. I never wanted to go to. Charlotte. Nah, I don't. I don't but don't inevitably, everybody who works here wants to go to Charlotte. Look, we all know I got friends in Boston. All right, I'm trying to. Get- <laughs> you're trying to go <laughs> be part of the Boston sports radio scene. Uh, Pirates and UCF tonight, third meeting, uh, second time in uh, an eight-day span that they're going to meet one another. 
And East Carolina will uh, try to win a game in the American Athletic Conference opening round, 7 o'clock tonight. Oh, pace yourselves, boys, because we're going till 6.30, leading you into network coverage. Uh, Cy Seymour later on. We'll get a check-in on what exactly happened with Duke and all the early developments from quarterfinal day at the ACC tournament. Back in my day, it meant something. It meant you watched the games on Friday is what it meant. But not now. No, not now. Things have changed. Tournament last 18 days now. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Sean Crest, North State Journal, other outlets when we return. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. I can't wait. On your flagship home of Pirate Football, 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Pirates, Panthers, the P-Man. Oh, my. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game right now. Hey, soul sister, ain't that Mr. Mr. on the radio? Stereo the way you move ain't fair. Pirates are a uh, five-point dog tonight. We'll uh, talk to uh, Cy Seymour coming up in a little bit. Uh, let's go out to Greensboro, where roughly a year ago, uh, Sean Crest was on the radio with me when I was the transitional champ between uh, Glenn and uh, Adam Gold on statewide syndicated radio. I've always got that. That We can put that on the uh, lead of the obituary there. He was the transitional champ for two weeks of uh, North Carolina syndicated sports talk radio. That and four bucks will get you a really nice cup of coffee, folks, let me tell you. Uh, he is talented for a local writer. I'm not even sure who the hell he's writing for this week out at the ACC tournament. Probably 18 different outlets. Uh, but I always enjoy having Sean Crest on. He's an author. He's a great writer and an all-around uh, good guy. Follow him on Twitter at Sean Crest. Uh, Sean, how's it going? Well, it's going fine, I guess. Once again, we're covering off-court news here at the ACC tournament, just like last year when I talked to you. Yeah. Uh, so the big news today, uh, Florida state's got a double buy. The reason Duke has decided to, uh, shut it down after a COVID positive test. Now, have we learned anything? This was Duke's decision, right? I mean, the, the devil sort of made this decision, uh, as, as a team and as an athletic department, correct? I think Duke made it first. I think if Duke had gone full speed ahead that the ACC may have made it for them. So I, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal that it was Duke that made it first, uh, just because they, they weren't going to play. The ACC wasn't going to allow that to happen after uh, uh, one of their players apparently tested positive after after last night's game. Uh, and so, yeah, when it's one of the guys on the floor, when it's you know not just somebody that travels with the team, but one of the actual players, right. uh, it makes it a little tougher to 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 damn the torpedoes and keep going. Yeah, I got you. Now, let me ask you this: uh, Does this any word on how this may impact Louisville? I heard some uh, gobbledygook today on one of the uh, on the tele one of the telecasts where they were talking about the ACC's using some sort of special technology to see how long you know somebody may have been exposed or in front of somebody else. Uh, you know, maybe they are. I, I, I assume that they are, uh, and I don't know how accurate that special technology is. But point being, uh, is there any any concern about Louisville right now, uh, who who played Duke last night? I mean, both both teams, pretty pretty much every college team now has the uh, trackers in their jersey to, to show exactly where they are on the court at all times. So if you needed to, and I guess they do need to in this situation, that they could measure, yeah, well, how how long were you within six feet of this this guy on the other team? I, you know, add up all that time, 
And if it's over, I don't remember if it's 10 or 15 minutes that counts as an exposure, uh, but I, I guess they could add that up and see if you spend more than 15 minutes guarding, guarding this guy closely, uh, then, yeah, I guess I guess you could be exposed. So that that's uh, that's a possibility. I don't know if they're actually going to go forward with it or not, but right. the technology is there to do it. So does that mean that's a contact tracing deal, and is that what, what sort of bangs the, uh, the Cardinals here a little bit and maybe creates some questions about their NCAA tournament, assuming they get in? Uh, it could. It definitely could. Um, I, I think they're probably more concerned about losing last night. I think that probably right. did more damage yeah. to their hopes than than the content. But, yeah, it, it definitely could at least lose a, a guy or two. Um, part of the problem that this is so bad for Duke is they weren't staying here in Greensboro. They were busting back and forth right. from Durham. Right. Um, which, of course, means that they're all on that bus together for 45 minutes or an hour so that they're all contacted, so there's no way to keep them separate. Uh, staying here, you can you can put people in different rooms and you can avoid contact within the team. So even if they lose a guy or two, uh, they could still go forward just because they're not all packed into a bus for an hour next to each other. Well, and also, wasn't Duke staying in the same, I assume it's the Washington Duke end, maybe it's not, but wasn't Duke basketball staying in the same hotel uh, or or barracks for, for you know, wherever they're <laughs> staying with the football team? Yes, the football and basketball teams are both off campus and have been since the summer when they reported back they're staying in the Washington Duke uh, again, to keep them away from the rest of campus, right. to keep them off campus. Right. Uh, but again, yeah, the, the football team just shut it down this week earlier because they had a positive uh, test on their team. And so, yeah, it's possible that the same person exposed both teams or that there was interaction between them because, yeah, they, they were all, they're all in the same place at the Washington Duke. So is there any, there's no thought that this had anything to do with people being allowed in the building at the Dean Dome last week, is there? I don't think so, no. Okay. I don't think that they... Right. Um, okay. I don't think they know what caused it, but no, I don't see that they, they kept everyone far enough away during that game. Uh, you couldn't get down to the floor level right. if you were in the Dean Dome and weren't a player. Or well, coach. that's what I get for reading a Ben Swain tweet. Uh, we're talking to uh, Sean Crest. Um, he's uh, with us here. Uh, Sean is uh, covering the ACC tournament again this year. Uh, and uh, SI.com slash college slash Duke is uh, just one of the many places you could check uh, Sean's uh, work uh, out. Okay, earlier today we had Virginia uh, knock off Syracuse. I think the the Orange have done enough to get into the, the field easily uh, and got uh, beat on a buzzer beater by uh, UVA. And then uh, we watched the end here and uh, Georgia Tech survived Miami. So uh, our only game tonight, it's one of those three-game days, is uh, UNC and Virginia Tech. What's the feel from uh, you or others that uh, – you've talked to that cover both these teams about this game tonight. I mean, you never know with UNC. They've been a box of chocolates all year long. They, they could show up like they did last night and just dominate, or they could show up like they did uh, in three of their last four games uh, and, and kind of lay an egg uh, on the court. <laughs> so uh, you never know. And, and Roy Williams himself has said that with as this many freshmen and so, such an experience on the team, you don't know. You don't know what, what you're going to get from them. Uh, Virginia Tech, uh, was hoping to get back Jalen Cohn, one of their top guards. Uh, he's definitely going to miss the ACC tournament. Uh, so that's, that's one benefit that's working in North Carolina's favor. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of depends on which North Carolina shows up, how good a game we're going to get tonight. Um, how many do you think wind up out of the ACC in this thing? How deep does, does the ACC tournament field go? 
Uh, like you said, I think Syracuse is in. I think Georgia Tech is in. I think uh, Carolina is in. And then, of course, uh, Virginia and Florida State. I think we're looking at five teams. They may stretch down six. Uh, I think right now Louisville's probably out. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's been a down year in the league and a very, very up year in some of their competitors in the, in the Big Ten and the Big 12 specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it, given the benefit of the doubt, they're going to take uh, a lower team in one of those leagues over an ACC team uh, just because this year that's, that, that's, I think that's the right call. How many uh, fans are they letting in the building in Greensboro? Uh, it seems very sparse. Yeah, it I does. don't know what the numbers are. I think it's. I, I think the in- attendance was announced at about twenty five hundred for for last night's games. I don't know if that's the limit or if that's just what they had for the games. Right. Uh, but no, it seems it seems like a lot less than than that. Just if you look up in the stands, it's just groups of twos or threes that are very very spread apart. Well, like that building seats what twenty two, twenty three. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so. I mean, that'd be a little more than 10%, and it, just looking at it on television does not look like there's 10% of the people in that building. I mean, I no, get I, there's I, a ton of seats, but still, just it, either they're on the hard camera side or, or they really are, are not that many in there. No, it looks about the same on both sides. It's not, it's not a camera thing. And, and having been in the Dean Dome for the two games where they let fans in, uh, it seems very different. As The Dean Dome, again, holds about the same amount, and, and that looked a lot more full than this does. Hey, Sean, thanks a lot. We appreciate the uh, update from Greensboro and what's the latest that happened with Duke. Uh, uh, just one more quick thing here. I guess uh, this was pretty well said in the statement, but uh, Duke is, they're done. I mean, they're they are not going to try to press forward and accept a bid to the NIT, I guess. They basically have said their season's over, right? Yeah, Timing-wise, they could do that, but I think even if they had completed the play at the ACC tournament this week and didn't get into the NCAA, I don't think they were going to do that. Uh, that would require them to go to Texas, which, of course, is a no-mask state right now. Right. And the way that Duke has been so strict about their COVID protocols, I don't think there's any way that they would have they would have let the team go to Texas right. to play yeah. uh, games there. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Sean, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it, and uh, stay safe uh, in Greensboro. Always fun, anytime. Thanks. All right, there you go, Sean Crest, very latest on uh, what's going on with Duke. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the smart money that if they did get into the NIT, they would not. Goodbye to Sean as he uh, hung up. All right. Uh, what is what is exactly is intern K- going through the the catalog for like a uh, train or cake or something? He could have railed that down for you, Ben. I don't mean to nitpick on intern Joe, but come on, intern Joe. Uh, he loves boy bands. Does is he a boy band guy? I was mentioning One really? Direction earlier. Are you really a One Direction? Wow. Well, he perked up when you said that, Ben. Jeez. I got an older sister, so going up, that's probably I listened to when I was riding with her. I could have gone with this. Another piece of information today. I could have gone with that. Did he? Did he make a draft board? Too? Why can't you be like a normal guy and listen to Taylor Swift? <laughs> I did. <laughs> listen to Ben with a joke there. Where's the rim shot, Ben? Where's the rim shot? I don't have my button in for. There we go. Comedy never I'll be ceases. Here all week. Oh yes, you will be, and beyond perhaps. All right, a uh, timeout. Oh no, we'll go to Ben Byron first, and uh, then we'll get Sai Seymour on. Uh, Cy and I will talk uh, Pirates at UCF. We'll talk Jaden Gardner getting named to the all-conference first team and the matchup against the uh, Golden Knights coming up a little bit later on tonight. Uh, we'll uh, lead you into coverage of that going until 6.30 today on the Patrick Johnson Show. So another hour of fun and excitement. Here's Ben Byram with a 94-3 The Game Sports Flash. Ben? 
Thanks, Patrick. Plenty of going on in the conference tournament games in college basketball. We start with the ACC tournament as Georgia Tech ended Miami's little run. They defeat the Hurricanes 70-66. to Meanwhile, 16th ranked Virginia beats Syracuse 72-69. to From the AAC tournament, 8th seeded USF edges 9th seeded Temple 73-71. Thanks to the efforts of Bulls forward David Collins, who scored a season-high 23 points. South Florida will move on to take on top seeded Wichita State. Meanwhile, 10th seeded Tulane upsets 7th seeded Tulsa 77-70. Green Wave guard Jordan Walker led the way with a 24-point performance in that game. In regards to East Houston Conference Tournament game against UCF tonight, that can be heard, of course, right here on 94th Street. The game of coverage beginning at 6.30. But you can also watch that game on primetime television on ESPN2 beginning at 7 o'clock. Prior basketball head coach Joe Dooley expressed his excitement for the AAC tournament at a press conference yesterday. I mean, I think Caden said it. I mean, we're all happy because we get an opportunity. Last year just shows the, the fragility of everything. You know, you're you're out there for shoot around, and then all of a sudden the camp tournament's canceled, and you have to wait an entire year to to do this. And uh, I, I think it's a tribute to, like Caden said, that we're we're making progress and trying to get back to normalcy, and and uh, it's it's good for everybody. The Pirates head into Fort Worth as the five-point underdogs against UCF. To wrap up the latest from college basketball, if you haven't already heard, Duke has officially opted out of the ACC tournament after a walk-on tested positive for COVID-19. From the NFL, we have some more notable roster cuts throughout the league, some more shocking than others. The Chiefs released former first-round pick left tackle Eric Fisher and veteran offensive lineman Mitchell Schwartz. Reports indicated that Chiefs were looking to re-sign Fisher to a cheaper deal, but it seems that bridge has been burned as Fisher took the Instagram to post a farewell to Kansas City. The moves will save the Chiefs about $18 million in salary cap space. Meanwhile, other notable players in the free agent market include left tackle Riley Reef and quarterback Janoris Jenkins. For Major League Baseball, the Texas Rangers are vying to have 100% capacity for the upcoming season. The Cincinnati Reds first baseman Joey Votto has been put on the injured list after testing positive for COVID-19. Wrapping up from the PGA Tour, East Ulam, Harold Vaughn III out of the Players' Championship is doing pretty well. He's tied for 11th overall in the event is 200 through 12. Sergio Garcia is the sole leader of the event as he wrapped up the day finishing 7 under. Here at 94th through the Game Sports Update, I'm Ben Barham. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. What? You want more? All right. On your flagship home of Pirate Basketball. 94.3 The Game at 94.3thegame.com. Greenville's top sports show is back. Well, isn't that special? The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Special 90-minute edition of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming your way today. We're leading you into network coverage. ECU-UCF from the Dickies Arena in Fort Worth. 6.30 airtime here on 94.3 The Game, 107.9 WNCT. Size Seymour will be on the network. Size joined us all year to get ready for Pirate Basketball. Silas, we're here at the postseason finally. Who knew we would make it this far? Didn't think we would. We pulled it off, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, Patrick. You've done a good job all year keeping the people informed. And By the way, you did a nice job the other day on the on the uh, network game, ESPN game. That was a good job, and it's always fun. This time of year is a great time of year. Thank you for the kind words, Cy. Before we get into the game, let's uh, talk about Jaden Gardner. I know you thought, boy, it's going to be tough for Jaden yeah. with the way ECU's performed despite his great year to get that kind of recognition. I, w- I couldn't be happier 
that he got on as the uh, first team? Man, it's wonderful. I mean, and really, it's very difficult when your team comes in last place to make a first team. I mean, and and listen, it was well deserved. He has played great. It's very difficult to get them on. And I had a kid one year. We had a good year, but not a great year. And I mean, we weren't bad. We we won a lot of ball games, but I didn't know if he'd make it. He made it, but you never know who's going to make it. Uh, there were three unanimous guys and Grimes and Etienne and. Uh, Kendrick Davis, but look, when you're in company with Landers Nolly and you're in a high group of kids there, and so congratulations to, to Jaden. I thought really he was playing like a first team all conference game before that last episode of COVID. He he was playing lights out, and he and I'm hoping he'll do this in the tournament. Sai, I don't think you know we talk about Jaden beginning of the year is what was wrong with Jaden, uh, and then we've just you know I, I think he's so steady. We almost take for granted what he does. He's not the most athletic. He's not going to jump the highest. He probably would struggle against defenders dribbling from one end of the floor to the other. But he makes shots. The motor is always running. And here's what I love about him, Cy. He's a nice young man, and he is a great representative for the basketball program and for the university. No doubt about it. He is focused on what he does. And, and you are right. We have watched it. And you know what now? I'm upset. When he misses a 15 yeah. foot jump shot, it's crazy. <laughs> That's it the way is, I was crazy. the other day. I, I thought Jaden's missing all these shots. He shoots 50% from the floor still. I know. It's crazy. I, I, I'm just like, and, and yet, but it's because we've, come, we've grown accustomed to it. He's just so good at what he does in that short game. He knocks it down. He gets, listen, he gets positioned inside as good as any, any guy can, that can play the game. And and it's a great honor because this is a, you know this this is a big time league for him to make the first team and that's big for ECU. Uh, hats go off to the young man and he deserves it. Cy Seymour joining us uh, here. We're uh, getting you ready for ECU and UCF. Uh, Silas has been good enough to take a few minutes with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show today. I, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, the tournament as a whole before we get into the matchup and and maybe quite frankly, the help that Jaden needs not only in the tournament, but will need even next year. Uh, right now, Lenardi's got Houston in very solidly. Certainly, uh, Wichita State in right now very solidly. I think Wichita could, you know, maybe a quarterfinal loss might hurt them. But uh, by and large, I think the, the Wheat Shockers are in. Uh, Memphis and SMU right now on the outside looking in. Uh, I think SMU... If Cincinnati plays like they played Sunday and SMU coming off the long pause, that could be that could be tough for the ponies. I do think, however, Memphis has to get to the finals to get into the they don't have to win it. It would help. Obviously they'd be the the AQ if they did. But I think Memphis has to get to the finals to get in as an at large, and that would give them a win theoretically over Houston. What do you think? I think you're probably right. Uh, and and you are talking right too on this thing. First of all, this league is this tournament's going to be fun. It is a it is a balanced league. When when the last place team beats the fifth team in the nation, it's a pretty darn good league, and that's ECU beating Houston. But I'm telling you, the top four or five, six teams, you can flip a coin. I mean, when they play, and it's and now I take Houston as the best ball club, but I it's, it's that close. I think Memphis could win the thing, and you're right about SMU. What's going to hurt them is not playing. But I'm telling you, talent-wise and coaching-wise, they're dangerous. And yet, I'm like you. 
they're coming in. It's kind of like Virginia Tech in the Atlantic Coast. They're coming in off a time when they hadn't played. They hadn't had the chances to do things. But, boy, what a quality program. And when you've got good guards, which they do, in Kendrick Davis, uh, they, they can be tough. But I, I agree with you. I think that Memphis has got to get to the finals, and it's not going to be easy because those first four or five teams are good. But I'm telling you, anyone can beat anyone, and that's unusual. I don't usually say that. Anybody can beat anybody in this particular league. Somebody can get upset, and it won't be a really an upset. That's how crazy it is. Cy Seymour on the network call tonight alongside Jeff Charles. They'll be on at 630 with uh, their pregame. We're leading you into coverage here tonight on 94.3 The Game, a 90-minute edition of the show. Uh, Cy, just projecting out, we might get you on next week, but just projecting out a little bit here. Uh, Houston, regardless of the outcome in, in Texas this weekend, uh, Lenardi has him as a two. Uh, Jerry Palm has him as a three. What kind of run can Houston legitimately make in your mind? I would have said prior to losing Caleb Mills, I thought they could have gone eight or four to, to elite eight or four. I'm not sure. Maybe 16, but, and maybe eight, it, but everything has to go right. Uh, Losing Caleb Mills was a major loss. Yeah. So you, you, anytime you lose that kind of kid, uh, but but I still think they'll have a good showing. I think even our other teams. I'm talking about whether it be Wichita State, they could finish 32 or 16. I mean, these Memphis, if they get in, they can be dangerous. Well, Memphis is but playing great right now. They really that's are. That's exactly right. I mean, I I, I don't see anybody. Uh, they could all be pretty good. Houston, I would have put them maybe eight or four. I, I mean, really, I thought they could get to the Elite Eight. I don't know without Mills. He he was such a great player, and he's going to go to Florida State. Uh, everything is so crazy now. I, I, you know, I looked at the All-ACC team, and, and think about it. Two of the top five are transfers. One came from Radford, and the other kid came from Marquette. You know? And then the, and then the kid, the player of the year, was from Elon, I mean, excuse me, Enlow High School in Raleigh that yeah. came in last place in the Cap 8, and nobody wanted him. And he, he I know we were on him because we knew he was good, and so was Charlotte. Georgia Tech came in and late and got him, and he, you know, he, he was the player of the year. So it's funny. And, and even in our league, think about it. Quentin Grimes was at Kansas. Kendrick Davis was at Baylor. Yeah. Landers Dolly was at Virginia Tech. It is, it is now all trying to figure out who's going to be where and – Who's going to finish in the tournament where there's so many good players out there spread out? It's going to be a heck of a tournament. Cy, uh, let's turn our attention to the game tonight. It's ECU and UCF. Pirates uh, just a week ago lose a heartbreaker at home by four uh, to the uh, Knights. Uh, Third time they're meeting this season overall. Uh, Give me your thoughts on this game as uh, they enter thing. UCF has kind of gotten a full roster, or at least as close to one as anybody can get, uh, in this day and time, but UCF's got some guys back. Yeah, they, they got Mahan, who's a key one to get back, and uh, and others. I mean, so they are coming in uh, pretty much loaded. This is a good basketball team. I mean, now preseason they were they were picked to be seventh. That's where they ended up. Seventh. But ECU played them extremely tough in their last contest, but they did not have Mahan and and a couple other guys. So this time they're going to be fully loaded. It's like I've said, though, ECU hadn't been fully loaded all year. I mean, you got Coleman out, you got uh, Jackson out. They've not been able to play because of injuries that are in, in, at ECU. These are big. When, when, when those guys can't play, Baruti Patumba can't play. That's three. 
that are, are, are three of your top eight guys. So, you know, if you're not fully loaded in tournament play, it gets difficult. I think when you look at this UCF team, they've got shooters. They're very good. Uh, I mean, when you look at their their ability to score from the perimeter, uh, they can do that. So, and, and you know, your point. You know, you've got guards from Davis to you know Green. These guys can shoot it. Mahan can really shoot it. So this is a good ball club. ETU's playing today. We didn't get a chance to talk about it uh, because we didn't have a show Friday and. Uh, uh, even Sunday, when you and I got to interact, it was it was pretty brief because of every of our various respective duties. I, I don't mind the not fouling late in the game to play out because I mean, look, the likelihood that UCF was going to make a any kind of jumper against the way ECU was defending in the final minute, um, it, highly unlikely. So the Pirates, it works. They get the rebound. You're still down two possessions. I don't like the three on the other end by the Pirates. And I, I, I'm just having a – was it just a miscommunication why ECU didn't foul at that point and let it play out? Well, you never know. You, you, you know, you, you just don't know, you know, do you foul? I think, to me, I always extend the game if I'm losing. I mean, that's just been my philosophy. Yeah, and what I'm talking about is this after the Pirate miss. I'm talking so, about yeah, that. Yeah. I'm not, again, I have no problem with, you could, know, defending, be, defending and having 20 seconds. You defend the shot clock down. And, and you cause a miss and you get it. I, no problem with that. That actually worked right. out like ECU had hoped. I, I, right. I guess more of the shot selection and then choosing not to foul after is what I'm questioning. Yeah, and that, and that could be there. Uh, just don't know uh, what was going on at that time. I would think that, that, you know, first of all, the shooting the basketball has been deflating for ECU this year. And, and, and that when you don't hit it and you take the quick shot, the truth is, it was very difficult to go inside against them. I mean, it, it was that kind of game uh, for ECU. It was a struggle most of the day to just stay in it. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You never know what's going on in the coach. He's thinking four plays ahead a right, lot of times. Right, right, yeah. Uh, oh, and, and, you know, I forget to mention, too, that, uh, you know, they've got Walker back from, uh, who was yeah. an Oregon a five-star player. I, I forgot to mention <laughs> they have him back. So this is a loaded team. Yeah that is loaded up with transfers. But getting back to it, philosophically, sometimes it gets lost in the, in the language and the speaking. Look, I've seen – I have seen uh, – I saw a timeout with us right beside us at South Florida one time, and the, and it was it was Jeff Lieber who said, all right, I want you to foul the – no, do not foul on the inbounds play. Let's let this thing run out because we've got a chance. We had enough time to add South Florida. All comes in bounds, and our player automatically just runs to the guy and fouls. And I mean, I'd, I'd sit there listening to the timeout because our, our our headsets were beside the bench, so I took my headsets off to hear what right. they say. Right. <laughs> so, so sometimes kids just get lost in the moment, yeah. and that yeah. that can happen. Um, I'm not knocking guys on the roster. I think Joe talked to me about this before the game the other day. You know, especially with the big men. The way this season has gone and the lack of contact coming out of these pauses, that has hampered the development of the big guys. I, I frankly think it's maybe hampered the development of, of Newton a little bit, as crazy as that. Because, I mean, Tristan's a fabulous player. Oh, no, but, right. but, I yeah. mean, I think it's hampered Newton's development. I think it's hampered Suggs a little bit this year. Um, I think it's hampered Miles' shooting touch a little bit because it was fairly decent early on. Um Point is, right now, I just don't know if the makeup of this team outside of Jaden, if, if Joe's really got anywhere to go. You know, we talked to him a little bit about Noah Farrakhan, and he, he was really saying that Farrakhan 
starting to get it in practice. No offense to the freshman, but he looked like a freshman the other day uh, on sure. Cincinnati. Um, you know, I, I just the thing about tonight. I, look, there, you see, it, that, that's the thing that Joe has ingrained in the program and the fabric of the program. Pirates are going to come out and play hard tonight. I don't think that that's going to. You don't have to worry about that. We're not going to see an NC State deal where they're going to come in and and fold up the tent and get out of town like they did, like the pack did against Syracuse yesterday. Uh, Pirates are going to play hard to the final second tonight one way or the other. I guess my thing, Cy, is where does Joe go? Because, you know, there's always a stretch. We saw it Sunday. There's a there's a two- or three-minute stretch where the Pirates can't either buy a bucket or execute on offense, and the other team goes on a run, and you, you can stop that any multitude of ways, a timeout, which we've seen Joe utilize this year. Uh, I believe, you know, that, that – quite frankly, he's kept him in some games. I think back to some of the earlier games at home, and Joe used timeouts as a way to stymie that momentum by the opponent very wisely. Um, and I don't mean to go on and on here, but, you know, at some point the players have to – somebody's got to make a play. And I just don't know right now if the roster as it's made up, given the challenges it's faced with development, uh, has that gr- – I, mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I just who's – the, who's the guy that's going to go get you the bucket when you need it? Well, I think I think what you're saying is is all correct in that this the COVID thing. I thought it affected Jaden early. I thought Jaden early in the season he was not he 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 was concerned, which he should have been. I mean, everybody was concerned about how they felt, what they were doing. I think that's part of it. As far as uh, I think it helped, I think it hurt anyone in the younger ages of their career on development. I, I agree with you because you didn't get the game. I think about Luigi Debeau who looks so much better now than he did six games ago. He's not had any time. He's not played that much. He yeah. hurt all last year. He got hurt in junior college. So, yeah, playing time and confidence comes to, uh, when you get in and you do things well and you get rewarded. The other part of it is this. Uh, I think it does help to get away from the regular season. And there's, a, believe it or not, it, there is an optimism when you take the court on your, on, in the tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the, the mental aspect comes in, hey, we got a chance. We can play today. We're still in this thing. And that happens now. Like you said, who can step up and do it? We'll just have to hope to, to see somebody do that. Does it happen? I don't know. But there are guys that can do it. I, I'm just saying when you lose Baruti and you lose Colvin and you lose Jackson, that's it. that makes it tougher for your options. You just don't have it because with Baruti, you could go small and go with a different lineup, and it, it helps. It helps with Jaden Garner a little bit, you know. So th- those things have been affected because of, of the injuries, and you can't get back in the lineup. But having said all that, COVID has affected every team all over the place. You got to hope that the optimism comes in because it's the beginning day of a tournament, and, and if you shoot it well, you've got a chance. Uh, Cy Seymour with us here. Cy, coming up 6.30 tonight on the network. Uh, we'll have coverage 107.9 WNCT, 94.3 The Game. If you can't be near the tube, you can always listen to the uh, broadcast of uh, Pirate Hoops uh, tonight. Cy Seymour uh, in the uh, postseason for the 23rd time behind the mic uh, for uh, Pirate Basketball in the conference tournament. Uh, Pirates have not had a ton of success in these, uh, in these events. Uh, they've gone on a run or two, a time or two. But, uh, Cy, what does ECU have to do to, to come out on top tonight? Well, you, you've, got, you've got to hit the glass and rebound. Uh, you, can't let, you cannot turn it over and give uh, – you can't have a live ball turnover. You just can't do it. If you get, 
it, it affects every team the, the same. There's going to be a bucket at the other end. So no live ball turnovers. Uh, you, you've got to shoot the three ball extremely well. And someone other than Jaden, maybe two guys, have to step up and get 15 to 18 points. I mean, it's just that's a, you can't yeah. rely on Jaden. And, and I think it's got to be an impactful 15 to, to, to 18. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, no doubt about it. And like I said, we're going to play good defense. I mean, you look at Cincinnati the other day. ECU's playing great defense. It's a 52-50 game, and a guy banks one in yeah. from half yeah. court on a shot target. That's at 55-50. Then you turn it over, and then you have another three, and then you're 58 That's how quick that game turned. Well, you got to have that happen for you today. Yeah, and I think, too, the Pirates have got to do a little better job of chasing shooters off the three-point line. They didn't do a very good job of that. Uh, Against Cincinnati Sunday, to be quite honest. Didn't make them put it on right. the floor. Uh, hey, Cy, great to catch up, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Take care, Patrick. All right, Cy, thank you. And don't you dare go away, because not only will you hear more from Cy coming up at the bottom of the hour, but you will also hear us top of the hour, a uh, additional 30 minutes of the Patrick Johnson Show. Senator Jim Perry and Senator Todd Jackson Big happenings as far as the NCHSAA is concerned. They are probing into that. So we will uh, have those guys on, uh, plus hear from Coach Dooley and Jaden Gardner, all in the next half hour as we roll on with the Patrick Johnson Show. to the P-Man. And that's powerful, sir. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Johnson and the Patrick Johnson Show going to the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll lead you into Pirate Basketball coverage tonight. ECU taking on UCF. 6.30 airtime on the network. 7 o'clock tip in the American Athletic Conference Tournament uh, out in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. So the uh, Pirates will try to defeat UCF for the first time in what will be their three meetings. Uh, UCF, by the way, a 10-game winning streak in that all-time uh, series. But we're with you to the bottom of the hour here. Special 90-minute uh, edition, easy for me to say, of the Patrick Johnson Show. So a very interesting and important uh, development in the last several months involving the state legislature looking into concerns surrounding the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. Senator Jim Perry from nearby Kenston and Lenore County is going to be on with us in just a moment, and so is Senator Todd Johnson. They're the two lawmakers kind of driving this probe, uh, but in a bit of a preemptive sort of strike today, the commissioner of the High School Athletic Association, who's been a guest numerous times on this show, Q Tucker, uh, the president and vice president of the High School Athletic Association as well, uh, met with members of the media uh, about this story that the General Assembly is investigating the association's authority as a nonprofit organization and also looking into the association's finances. Here is sort of the crux of uh, what Q Tucker had to say earlier today. 
We have heard legislators state that the NCHSAA is not student focused. They have insinuated that the NCHSAA has charged student athletes to play in our programs, taken cash and resources from our member schools, particularly the poorest of the poorest of schools, and that the NCHSAA does not have the credentials to make the decisions that we have been required to do during this pandemic. All of this is far from the truth. So a lengthy press conference today. In fact, we're still kind of pouring through the audio. We maybe will bring you more of that tomorrow. Uh, But right now, let's go to the phones. A couple of the uh, chief lawmakers uh, who are driving this, including one from Eastern North Carolina, Senator Jim Perry joining us, as well as Senator Todd Johnson from Union County. Uh, Senator Johnson, let's start with you first as we welcome you both into the program here this evening. One of the articles indicates that there is pending legislation coming uh, could you clear that up? And then also, it seems to me this is more of a uh, just sort of a, a, an oversight or fact-finding uh, investigation or probe, if you will, at this point with the High School Athletic Association and the General Assembly. In terms of legislation, I don't think we're there yet. I, I, our goal is to try to shine light in, into to the dark corners and, and hopefully give the opportunities for folks to make uh, folks over there to make the right decision. And, and we're truly in a fact-finding uh, mission that's as we have been in probably 12 months now. So we, I've been a part of this process for 12 months when there was a, there was a little situation that happened in a little bitty county in, uh, in North Carolina. It's called Anson County, a very small rural county uh, in the Piedmont. And it's actually where I went to school and where my family lives now. I don't have the privilege of representing that county anymore because uh, I have moved. But uh, but some, some situations arose down there. And uh there was some concern and kind of how that situation was handled. And so that kind of started the process of peeling some layers of the onion back to kind of find out a little bit more about the, uh, the association and how they do business and, and how they uh, have such an impact in, in, in athletics across this state. And so as we began to delve into this issue, it quickly became uh, evident about the amount of money and the business side of this and, and so I kind of jumped on the 990 with them being a nonprofit. We public record of the 990 and looked at that. And the figures that I saw uh, sitting on the sidelines at that point in time, sorry for the pun, uh, was a um, w- w- was mind boggling. When when I looked to find that over the last 10 years they're adding about two million dollars to the bottom line, and and today that figure sits based on what we can get. Because, you know, they're really tight with this information. But based on what we can get from these 990s, we're looking in the range of about $41 million. And uh, now that's not all liquid and, and right. there's endowments and all that factored into it. But those, those are massive numbers, especially when you've got rural counties such as Anson and Lenore and, and many other counties throughout the state that are, are struggling. And the, you've got parents and students doing bake sales and barbecues, et cetera, just to try to replace 20-year-old uniforms. And it's troubling, to say the least. And so we've we've started digging down into this hole. And and as I've said multiple times, the problem is when we ask a question, the answer typically generates three more questions. So it's almost like a never-ending, and you know, I get a surprise little tidbit of information every day that just kind of re- reinvigorates me to go and search more. So we're still in that process at this point in time. 
Senator Todd Johnson there from Union County in the uh, North Carolina Senate. We're also joined by Senator Jim Perry. Both are uh, spearheading this uh, effort to look into the North Carolina High School Athletic Association, their status as a nonprofit and a governing body of high school athletics in the state, uh, several other things uh, in that. This is a very wide-ranging issue. We're trying to uh, make it as easily understandable for the folks as possible. You mentioned uh, the endowment fund. I've always uh, been under the impression that's kind of a rainy day fund, like any endowment may be. It, it allows organizations to do things. We see it a lot at the collegiate level as far as the university as a whole. Uh, there are a lot of questions. Starting next year, uh, I say next year, I mean next season in the fall, high school football scales back to a 10-game schedule, yet this endowment game, where part of the funds from the gate of a game go to the endowment fund at the High School Athletic Association will continue. So theoretically, teams are losing another date, a home date for a lot of schools, and yet they're still having to pay out a portion of their uh, home gates for this one endowment game, despite there being uh, what you're sort of asserting there, millions of dollars in this endowment fund that the High School Athletic Association uh, has. I'll, I'll put this up and let either one of you take it there, but... Uh, quite obviously, football is a big driver, and to lose in a, a period of time in the pandemic where things have already been tight financially for these schools, to lose any amount of money out of gate money from a high school football starting this fall when presumably things will be back to normal and crowds will be back to normal seems like a big blow. And I'm sorry to, to jump in, Senator Perry, on this, but, uh, but you know, that's been some of the frustration is, you know, the question is how much is actually in this endowment fund, and we're not being – we're not given, uh, being given straight answers. And, and when you think about that endowment game at these local high schools, what I have found, at least in history, as I said, Anson County is where I went to high school, mm-hmm. it always ended up being a, the Anson-Richmond game. If you've been in high school athletics right. for any amount of time, you know Richmond County School. Right, it, yeah. It, it, they've yeah. been a powerhouse for years. So that game is the one where they brought in extra bleachers. I mean, it was always a big game, big attendance. And for some reason, that always ended up being the endowment game. Never figured that one out. But uh, you've got the, the, the local uh, governments and the school systems that are uh, maintaining the fields, fixing the stands, fixing basically the entire facility, paying for all this stuff. And the High School Athletic Association comes in, swoops their cut off the top, and has no buy-in to any of the rest. Of it. So they've got no skin in the game when it comes to the actual operations of the game. So there's a frustration level of that. You also brought up uh, – the money of the $4 million that had been appropriated and in, in, in speaking uh, earlier about this, uh, we haven't actually seen any of this money getting into the school systems as of yet, but, but that didn't just happen. You know, it wasn't out of the goodness of anybody's heart that all of a sudden they decided to reach in and, and, and divvy out $4 million. That come from a, a colleague of Gemini's, uh, a center Sawyer, Vicki Sawyer out of Iredale County. There was mm-hmm. an issue in, in her uh, local district there and so she inquired about it and started to, to really point out the fact that we are in a in a pandemic and these schools are struggling and they're sitting on all this cash. And uh, so from that conversation and, and that pressure that was put on by Senator Sawyer, that's when it was uh, announced that they were going to release uh, a child's portion of their funds that they had sitting on the sideline at that point in time. We were talking with uh, Senator Todd Johnson with the, uh, the uh, state Senate. Union County, and uh, one of our very own from Eastern North Carolina, Senator Jim Perry, has been good enough to join us. Senator Perry, is there a question about the financial uh, status? Uh, in other words, is there a question with the association about their ta- – not so much financial tax status, I think is the more appropriate way to put that. 
I mean, this is a, an organization that is worth uh, not just millions, but tens of millions of dollars, uh, whether it's liquid or, or, or with its assets. However, I mean, it's a tens of millions of dollar uh, business, if you will, or, or entity in the state of North Carolina. So uh, I don't think that we have had questions um, surrounding the, the classification um, that they've chosen from an IRS standpoint. Um, we have just been shocked, you know, as we talk to our local communities and we've, we've, since this has really, you know, become uh, more above the radar in the last few days since Friday of, of last week, um, we've been shocked by the number of athletic directors, uh, school administrators, parents, coaches, people who have been reaching out to us because they have, they felt like they, they haven't had any avenue to bring any change or really anyone to complain to mm-hmm. uh, regarding the treatment of their schools or, or how this money is being used. Uh, and where our concerns came in as we started you know, thinking about the relationship and thinking about the, uh, essentially if you charge a per student uh, fee, those schools pay that money uh, out of funds provided by the state and, and, you know, you could try to play games and say, no, no, it comes from the gate. Well, schools co-mingle funds. I mean, it's right. all one pot of money. Right. Um, but it, so they're, they're using state dollars. Uh, Senator Johnson pointed out they're, they're benefiting. Um, a, as an example, uh, I was made aware of a situation that if uh, our local schools wanted to stream the video, uh, stream the games via online video for parents to be able to watch their kids, the High School Athletic Association was charging $250, uh, kind of like a, a fine, uh, because they wanted the schools to only use a platform, which they have a contract with, that would then charge each parent to view the game. Uh, and, and these folks are sitting on $41 million. Uh, So I think for us, it's about the, even if it's legal, is the, relationship really appropriate uh are we are we at a place where this organization is serving the people or have they had scope creep and now have it arranged to where the people are serving them you know i don't know why they would need to accumulate that much money and i'm glad senator johnson pointed out that had senator sawyer not called on behalf of her her lea's athletic department Mm -hmm. I'm fairly certain that uh, we would not have heard the announcement of $4 million going out. And I'll point out that was approved in uh, December, but I haven't talked to any schools that have gotten those dollars yet. So sounds like a, a press release was done, uh, but you maybe have alligator arms when it comes to actually <laughs> writing that check. Senate whip uh, for the Republican Party in uh, the state Senate is Jim Perry. Uh, also, uh, Senator Todd Johnson from Union County with the Senator Perry, by the way, from Lenore County. The, uh, they, this was stated today in the press conference. They've stated this in their uh, press release. I'm speaking of the North Carolina High School Athletic Association, be it uh, any sort of uh, uh, non-parochial school, I think, is what they refer to it as. In other words, I, a Cardinal Gibbons, a private school that's a member of the Athletic Association, the charter schools. Uh, that we see a prevalence of, especially at the 1A level in sports in the public schools. This is a voluntary organization for these schools to belong to. However, it, it doesn't seem like that they are 
any options if a school, in other words, schools can't just go about it independently or uh, there's not another viable association for them to join right now that would cater to the needs of, of these types of schools without becoming a member of the independent schools association or the private schools association. I think that there's no doubt about it that just call that voluntary is the equivalent of me waiting for you outside of your home, putting a gun to your head and telling you that I would like for you to volunteer to give me your wallet. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is just that's crazy. And it, you know, it, it's clearly a monopoly. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think we all know where our state constitution stands on the concept of monopolies. Okay, let me, another piece of house cleaning here. I guess it was in the last decade, maybe 15 years, this organization went from one that was, uh, you always get the emails or the web address was .org. In other words, it was part of the UNC system in some capacity or part of state government in some when it Then it reclassified and became a nonprofit. Were these problems that may have existed 15 or 20 years ago? I know the, the state's growing and you have more schools, which means more opportunities to collect membership fees and uh, money towards the endowment fund. But has this been a, a longstanding problem? Sure. And, and, and I'm not overly familiar with, uh, you know, back in the 2000s of, of when it was under the university system at that gotcha. point in time. Okay. The, the research that I've found is there were some clear issues that the university system, as well as the high school athletic association, in terms of it really not fitting and flowing the way it should. And right. I think at that point in time, parties kind of decided to uh, maybe t- put it within a different route. And, you know, I think that there's uh, some concerns today about how that did transition and, gotcha. and, and really who authorized it and stuff like that. But I don't, uh, I don't, I can't speak to how it was then. I, I do know that um, the lack of oversight of any organization, and I don't care what kind of organization dealing with state funds or, or, or students that are part of a public system, there needs to be oversight. And, uh, and today I have not been able to secure where that oversight is uh, it rests. And one other thing, just to comment on something you said just a moment ago concerning the private schools and, and other things. I, I have had some issues uh, through this process where you have a private school competing in a public schools conference in situations where the private school does not, is not bound by geographic or even constraints in terms of recruiting, but they're competing with other schools that are bound by geographic constraints. And, and how is that really fair? And, uh, and, and they may have different equipment and, and other things. So it's really not a level playing ground. So, so all of that's kind of playing into some of the, some right. of the concerns that well, I'm hearing. No, I mean, uh, look, this for full disclosure, this past weekend I was on the telecast of the 1A boys championship and it was it was a pair of essentially charter schools playing uh, for the state championship. It's been a year, I think only one time in the last several years a true public school at the 1A boys levels won a basketball title. That was East Carteret a few years ago. So I I, sure. I I hear loud and clear what you're what you're saying there and that's something that is of, of great concern Cardinal Gibbons is another one uh, in Raleigh that uh, the questions have been uh, have raised over uh, over that, um, you you were quick to point out the no possibility that we've not reached a point where there might be any legislation. It sounds like this is just, as you gentlemen have said, oversight and fact finding. Um, Senator Perry and, and then Senator Johnson, what is the 
end game here. I mean, what what is the? I guess the fact finding is going on. We're sort of midstream of that. It seems like, but but what is the hope here? Is it for a more transparency? Is it for change? Because certainly, I think we all have have basically admitted here that there are school systems, there are individual schools that that would like to see some change in how this business uh, is done and how the governing body interacts with them. Senator Perry, you first. So I, I think that the ultimate goal is to um, understand more, if not completely, um, the nature of the relationships with this private, not-for-profit organization that's accumulated, you know, roughly forty-two million dollars on the backs of our public schools and those families and those athletes. I think we want to fully understand that. I I believe that many of us feel that there are some problems with the relationship. And uh, I think the ultimate goal would be to see those problems addressed and corrected. Um, I'm not going to prognosticate about Mm -hmm. what methodology we'll use or, or what route we'll use. Um, I'll just say that we see something that does not look to be entirely healthy, and we feel an obligation to address that. Senator Johnson? Uh, excellent. I'm glad that uh, Senator Perry brought up the obligation. That's, that's something that I, my colleagues, as we've been discussing this, we have an obligation to, to delve into this and to see what's going on and making sure that our our student athletes, our, our families, our communities are getting a fair shake and also are not being harmed financially, which I, I think they are being harmed financially. So in terms of where we go and kind of what I'd like to see, um, at least at my church, the preacher man always says the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And in this particular case, the main thing is the student athletes. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point in time we've lost our way. So what I would like to see first and foremost is, uh, as with our high school athletic facilities reopening uh, bills that, that we filed a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and have worked through right. the, the Senate, you know, in, in that press conference, I, I made it very clear that uh, this isn't about a, uh, a legislator getting some sort of credit for doing anything. So my goal would be for the high school athletic association to, to see the concerns of the legislatures the legislature and see the concerns of these parents and coaches throughout the state and make these good decisions and, and listen and, and adjust this internally. And, and should they not uh, make these decisions? I don't know what to expect after that, but ultimately it's the goal is hopefully encourage them to make the right decisions and, and address these concerns and, and get these funds off the sideline and back into these communities that desperately need it. Final thing here, and we did allude to this a little earlier, uh, do you all feel like that this has given voice to maybe more schools that just felt like they didn't have a voice, more athletic directors, more um, you know, people that are, are stakeholders in this thing at, at the local level, uh, coaches, whoever, do they feel like that, that now they have maybe a, a sounding board uh, that that can take their, or, or maybe an maybe just the access to you all uh, to voice their complaints to. Uh, very uh, very good question, Patrick. And one thing that I think it's important that all your listeners and any anyone that's involved in high school athletics and and I've expressed this to uh, to my colleagues here in the Senate. Uh, there is a fear, whether it's a perceived fear or a real fear, 
of, uh, of retaliation and, and retribution on this. So I want everyone to know that, sure, I, I will be a voice and, and you can come to me and express concerns. But also, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to have your back in the event that things start happening that are that where you did step up and, and, and you did express concerns. I want to know that you, I want you to know that I'll have your back on that, because in the end, we are entrusting our youth with these leaders in these communities. And so they need to know that they're, they're going to have uh, support here in Raleigh. And I'll do my part to make sure they have that support. Yeah, I'll, I'll add to that, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll try to do so succinctly. Uh, if we see any retribution coming, trying to harm uh, these families and these students, uh, we will take action. And uh, I think that the people of North Carolina would probably learn more about the power of a local bill and how local bills cannot be vetoed. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. Gotcha. Hey, gentlemen, thank you. Uh, we'll continue to follow this, and we appreciate your time greatly here uh, this afternoon. Thank you, Patrick. And I'd, I'd encourage you to stay tuned and let's stay in touch. Would, would, uh, would love the opportunity to circle back with you as we progress down this path. Absolutely. Thanks sure. for having us. Thank you, guys. Certainly seems like this is uh, far from over. Uh, we will uh, continue on. Patrick Johnson show, and again, uh, try to bring you some more comments maybe from the uh, press conference that was held earlier today. We'll try to get to more of that tomorrow with Q Tucker. Uh, Patrick Johnson show, uh, we wrap up this 90-minute edition ahead of Pirate Hoops after this timeout. Pirate basketball coming your way. Bottom of the hour, we'll join the network. Uh, thanks to Cy Seymour for being with us today. We appreciate Sean Crest uh, in this 90-minute edition. Also to Senators uh, Jim Perry and Todd Johnson. Uh, lots uh, to follow with that story. Just getting started. And the salvo uh, fired, in a sense, back from the High School Athletic Association today going with a uh, big uh, press conference. Uh, interesting stuff. We'll, we'll continue to explore that. One other final point. Uh, from that interview uh, earlier in this half hour. And again, for full disclosure, I have worked for the NFHS Network uh, as recently as January calling uh, the volleyball championships there. So uh, I am uh, involved in that as well. Again, just for full disclosure uh, on this uh, broadcast, we're just trying to present uh, both sides of the issue and we'll hopefully have some more cuts uh, from Commissioner Tucker on this tomorrow. Okay, uh, let's uh, give a quick primer. ECU and UCF coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. Network coverage begins in just a few minutes. This is Jaden Gardner talking about what the Pirates need to do to beat UCF. They're a very good three-point shooting team. Um, They have some bigs that can go get some baskets, but uh, mainly it's about us uh, having uh, less self-inflicting wounds and just being able to go through stretches when we need baskets and being more being more smart and locked in throughout the whole game. We have to play a whole 40 minutes. Joe Dooley on his ball club. I think they know we, we're a good team. Uh, I, I don't think we've always shown it, but I think there's some things that have uh, inhibited us, including ourselves at times, but – uh, you know, I, I think we can. I think we can play better than we have. So the number eleven seed Pirates taking on the number six seed UCF, and uh, we'll have complete coverage for you tomorrow. I'll be back on the Talk of the Town show in the morning with Henry Hinton. Hope you will join us uh, then on WTIB and uh, ninety four one WNBU. Uh, big thanks to uh, our guys behind the scenes, Ben Byram, also uh, KC intern Joe. Dylan McKay and uh, Clark Willis. Big thanks to those guys. 
Okay, uh, catch you tomorrow, 5 o'clock, ahead of Pirate Baseball. It'll be the Patrick Johnson Show. And uh, looking forward to bringing that to you. Go Pirates tonight as they take on UCF. Network coverage, just a moment away.